From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter. Coronavirus aid talks continued through the weekend and could last for another week as congressional leaders and the Trump administration struggle to reach agreement on several items in the upcoming COVID-19 aid package. David, what progress have they made during the last week and what's left? Not a lot of progress. Um, it's been slow going. Lawmakers made clear yesterday that it's still going to take some time. Uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi told her caucus yesterday that, you know, she really wanted to see a deal happen this week, and now she's not sure that can that can happen in time, that it, it might drag into next week. And we've heard other lawmakers say that as well. Um, so there's not much progress being made yet. They're only just, it was just last weekend that they just really started to get together and try to outline their differences to even know what has to be resolved, I think. Uh, so this this is a ways to go. We still have the main sticking points to this deal. The big one is uh, unemployment insurance benefits that have already expired. They're still trying to find a way to restore those, but there's a big debate between the two parties over how generous those benefits should be. And then you've got the whole question of school funding and whether, first of all, how much school aid is needed, and then does it, should there be any uh, should you tie that money to forcing schools to reopen? That's another huge debate. And then, of course, the whole huge divide over aid to state and local governments. Democrats really want aid to state and local governments that have been bleeding revenue. They say that it's going to lead to thousands of layoffs and furloughs if states don't get help. And Republicans say they don't want to bail out poorly managed states. And there's already money there that states have that have yet to be spent. And so they're resisting that. And I think the final hurdle would be the liability protection for employers that Republicans want. And Democrats say uh, workers' rights need to be protected. So those are huge obstacles to a deal, and they are nowhere near close to getting, getting those reconciled. We heard a pretty interesting proposal from South Carolina Republican Lindsey Graham yesterday uh, in his home state. He was talking and he said that he's planning to put forward an amendment this week um, that would extend that federal plus up to unemployment insurance claims so that individuals who are on unemployment right now would get 100% of their previous wage um, while the pandemic continues. And so while Senator Graham is not a core member of these talks, they're predominantly between Pelosi, Schumer, Mnuchin, and Meadows, that is going to be a really interesting Republican proposal this week because Democrats have said that they wanted to continue that $600 per week federal you know, enhancement to state unemployment insurance claims. Republicans have been very resistant to continuing that, which of course has expired now, because they say that some people are actually making more staying home on unemployment insurance um, than they would going back to work. And so Republicans are sort of philosophically opposed to that because they believe it creates a disincentive to work. And so it's going to be really interesting to see if you know, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin and White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows bring that type of a proposal into these negotiations and then what 
um, you know, what the response would be from Speaker Pelosi and Leader Schumer. So, you know, that does seem like it could be a compromise position on one of the tougher issues. Um, but one of the other issues that is really putting a timeline on this is education funding. And that is something that Speaker Pelosi said that they spoke a lot about yesterday during what was a two-hour meeting. And so it seems like while there are some glimmers of hope to bipartisan compromise here, it sounds like we're still several days, if not at least a week away from that. Yeah. You know, what was interesting to me about the Graham proposal, Jen, is it did seem like the first sign of of uh, a willingness to give a little ground on this unemployment issue because, because both parties had been so dug in where Democrats were insisting on the $600 a week benefit as, as absolutely vital to help workers get through this uh, recession if they're jobless. And Republicans were equally adamant that that's just giving workers more money than they would earn on the job, and it's a disincentive to work. And there was no middle ground there. I mean, the most they came close to was, was Republicans offered to extend the $600 for one week, you know, which Democrats saw as a stunt that was totally unworkable and wouldn't really get anywhere. But the Graham proposal yesterday, I mean, he's now saying he would be willing to replace 100% of, wor- of wages. Now, that's basically what Democrats wanted in the first place in March, was just to make employees whole, to make the jobless whole and recover all their wages if, they're, if they lose their job because of the pandemic. They settled on the $600, remember, because the Labor Department said they just couldn't, the states just couldn't calculate benefits on an individualized wage basis fast enough to make it workable to replace 100% of wages. So they settled on $600 as a flat benefit just to make it easier to administer. Now, if Graham is saying he would now move to 100% of wages, the big question, of course, is, is that doable now? Can the Labor Department make that work with these antiquated state insurance systems? That problem may still be there. But at, but at least if he's saying 100% of wages, I mean, some of the philosophical divide is at least ebbing, I would say. Yeah, and obviously all the unemployment insurance programs, it's not administered by the federal government in one computer system. Each state has their own setup with you know, varying degrees of technology. And so they would still need some type of sort of bridge standard payment like the $600 or maybe $500 or $400 or something like that to give states time to upgrade their technology. And so, you know, some states might have invested more funding in in those types of systems. And so some states might have a quicker ability to do that and other states might need a couple of months. So that's still something they're going to have to work out. But it does sound like, you know, Republicans kind of moved a bit closer to what Democrats wanted on that issue. And so now the question is, okay, well, are Democrats going to move a bit more towards the middle on that issue and maybe some other issues like education funding or state and local aid? So, I mean, that, that was probably the most hopeful sign of the week because the unemployment benefits, first of all, it's, it was the most urgent problem because they've already expired. Uh, and second of all, it was, it was really one of the ones that triggered the biggest partisan flashpoint. So if there's any giving ground on that issue, I would say that's a hopeful sign. And even uh, the Senate Finance Chairman Chuck Grassley 
sort of quasi-endorsed Graham's plan. He said he didn't, he didn't like it, but for a short period of time, he could live with it. So um, that tells me that it could gain support among Republicans to, to get somewhere if, as you say, rightly, that if they can work out these logistical hurdles of antiquated computer systems to make this work. But then if, even if you need a flat wage as a bridge, I mean, at least some of the ideological clash is gone, and then you're just debating for a month or two maybe what the payment should be. That's still, that still could be hard to do, but at least, at least it might yield something. Right, exactly. And then I think the next really big issue that they're going to have to figure out if they can get agreement on unemployment insurance um, is the liability protection. We've heard Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell talking about this for months. Um, And Republicans, sort of led by Texas GOP Senator John Cornyn, you know, really put some strong language in here to insulate businesses, K through 12 schools, universities, healthcare organizations. Um, from liability lawsuits. And we know that Democrats really want to make sure that workers are protected throughout this pandemic, that they're not being forced to work in unsafe conditions, that employers are providing personal protective equipment like masks and hand sanitizers and soap and things like that. And so that's going to be another, you know, sort of really between a rock and a hard place negotiating standpoint for Trump administration officials, because there are some really strong philosophical differences there between the two sides. Yeah, that's a, that's a big one. And of course, state and local aid, I still have yet to see any sign of compromise on state and local aid. Remember, Democrats were asking for almost a trillion dollars just in state and local aid, and Republicans want really nothing for that. And that's a huge gap. I don't know how they're going to come to grips with that. I mean, that's a very big difference. Yeah. Uh, that of course we should say, I mean, the whole, the size of the package overall is still a huge difference that there's nowhere near close to resolution. I mean, Republicans are offering basically a trillion dollars for their whole package and Democrats want more than triple that amount. So that's a huge bridge there that you got to cross. Yeah. And yesterday during negotiations on Monday, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, he said that one of the things that they did during what was roughly a two-hour meeting is that they kind of went through each proposal in the GOP plan and each kind of item in the Democratic plan that they released a few months ago and said, okay, well, you're giving X amount of dollars for education. How long do you think that can last for realistically? Um, and so they tried to go through and figure out, you know, how long could these dollars for healthcare organizations, education, unemployment insurance, you know, how long could the, these programs actually go for? Uh, because as we've seen throughout the country, the number of cases and deaths continues to increase Um, Certain people still continue to not want to wear masks, which is exacerbating the spread. And so, you know, this is going to be something that the country has to struggle with until there's widespread distribution of a vaccine. And so they're kind of trying to look at this as, you know, how long can we actually, you know, sustain certain businesses and people for until we get to this widespread vaccine distribution? Right. But then on top of all of the differences that have yet to be resolved. President Trump sort of threw some extra fuel on the fire yesterday, which surprised me, by saying that he was considering executive actions to get some of this done, uh, since there's no deal in Congress. And we're not quite sure exactly what he means on that. He wasn't very specific, 
but some of his advisors have floated this idea of suspending payroll tax collections. Remember, Trump has wanted this deal for months to include a new payroll tax cut to defer payroll taxes that workers pay for Social Security. Uh, he's been pushing that for, for months, and lawmakers have not liked the idea of either, either, both parties that sort of pan the idea as just not a very effective way to get money in people's pockets, particularly at a time of mass unemployment. But he's persisted in it, and so now his advisors are floating this idea of him doing it on his own, and CQ has reported that a lot of tax experts say they doubt that that can really be done, and it's going to take Congress to do it anyway. But if Trump is now trying to do things on his own by executive action, it seems to me that's only going to further uh, frustrate these talks. Yeah, I think this is a really interesting sort of divergence from the lawmakers that have been in Washington for decades, you know, McConnell, Pelosi, Schumer, who understand that these negotiations take time. It's just a slow process when you're talking about this much funding um, and issues that are very kind of deep-rooted in the governing ideals of the different parties. And Treasury Secretary Mnuchin, you know, for his role in the Trump administration, he is still relatively new to Washington compared to those congressional leaders, but he has been involved in very substantial talks before on issues like spending levels and debt limit. And so he very much understands kind of the cadence of these things that you need, you know, days to weeks to negotiate them. But, you know, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, uh, when he was, a, you know, a Freedom Caucus member from North Carolina in the House, he really wasn't involved in this level of negotiations and, you know, in the room and that type of thing. And so this is the first time he's really been in that sort of central role to a negotiation at this level where it's back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and day in and day out. Also with Trump, you know, he likes to get things done quickly and then move on. And so I think there's some interesting sort of grinding of the gears going on here where certain members of the talks understand that you just need a few weeks to get through these things. It's just how they work in Congress. And you have some kind of sort of newer players like Meadows who are like, okay, why can't we just get this done quickly and move on? And I guess one bright spot, however modest, is that they're committed now to meeting every day, they said. Uh, the, the Democratic leaders and White House officials are going to meet every day for as long as it takes, they said, to get a deal done. It is an interesting dynamic because, because Republican leaders are not in these, in these meetings. It's only the White House. Yeah, this is a similar dynamic to what we had in March with that big, you know, multi-trillion dollar aid package that included the unemployment insurance provisions um, and direct payments and things like that. You know, Republicans in the Senate kind of put together their proposal and released it. Um, and then the negotiations were predominantly between Pelosi, Schumer, Mnuchin, and then White House Legislative Affairs Director Eric Uland at the time, who was no longer in that role. And so I remember being up there, you know, very long days into the night, you know, constantly seeing, you know, Mnuchin and Uland moving between the offices of Democrats and Republicans. And so this is sort of a practiced role for McConnell in that sense, and that he did it earlier this year, but it is still a little bit odd that he is not in the room. That's an interesting dynamic too, but there is some pressure to act because first of all, the unemployment benefits have now expired and they were hoping to wrap this up this week because uh, Congress is supposed to 
take its August recess at the end of this week for a month. Uh, and so they were trying to get out of here this week, um, which now looks less and less likely, though. Yeah, they do still have a little bit of time before the Democratic and Republican conventions, um, which are beginning in about a little over a week and a half, I guess, um, on August 17th for the Democrats and the following week for the Republicans. So they do have a little bit of time. But yes, I mean, the Senate is supposed to leave at the end of this week for its August recess. And the House was supposed to leave um, and sort of did leave at the end of last week for its August recess. But House... Majority Leader Steny Hoyer told members that um, you know they should not have any sort of set in stone plans, and that once they get a deal, that he will be calling all of them back to Washington to vote on this package. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can always drop us an email. The address is CQ Podcast one word at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter. You can always stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week.